What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey everybody, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. So glad you joined us today. We are talking about joy today. That is going to be our theme. And every week we have a theme. Every time we do the show, we have a theme. And what we've learned over the four plus years, four and a half years that we've been doing this show, is that there is always a golden thread of connection from theme to theme because there is always a golden thread called spirit. And so we say yes to spirit, and because we say yes to spirit, there is nothing that is disconnected. There is nothing that is separate from the other. So um, Leslie and I invite you to go along for the ride. If this happens to be your first time uh, dialing in, logging in to say yes to spirit, then I would just like to give you a little bit of an overview about um, what you can expect. And um, the what you can expect is just about anything. Like expect the unexpected. That's what you can expect. But we also really focus in on what does it mean to say yes to spirit personally what does it mean to say yes to spirit in you, the choices you make and the actions you take? How does saying yes to spirit show up in our day-to-day lives, and how does it help us live our lives in a way that creates a life we love to live? So that's where we'll be going, and our theme today is joy. But before we get into that, we always talk about and make a connection between our most recent theme, and our most recent theme, as you hear the music in the background, our most recent theme was grief. And so um, Leslie just loved to connect the dots. So Leslie, what do you have for us connecting the dots between grief and joy? Grief. Are you on mute, Leslie? I'm not hearing you. Went to a funeral, and I was emailing him about the idea of how funerals sort of give a perspective to life. And it's funny, I can remember hearing my dad's death and planning the funeral and all the family coming in and you know, there were real moments of pure joy in the talking about that and the memories. And it's fascinating that, as you said in the beginning, you know, everything is connected. And when I stay aware of that, there is a thread of joy that does run through everything. And I think um, I experienced that joy through my dad's death, and that seems very strange to say, but it was very true. And I do think as you said, everything's connected, and certainly um, joy. I will uh, I will enjoy talking about joy today.
welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. And oh my goodness, our theme today is joy. And joy is one of those topics on Say Yes to Spirit that obviously there's a spiritual connection. Obviously it it should be, or you would think, assume it would be easy to talk about. And it's something that's so basic but we forget about it, right? So as we talk about joy, um, I think I want to start out today with making one of the distinctions between experiencing joy and being happy. Experiencing joy and being happy. Now, sometimes they look the same, And sometimes even in our language and our conversations, we collapse them into, you know, the same thing. Like we'll ask someone, are you happy? Or someone will say, oh, I feel so happy. Or that makes me happy when, um, you know, my partner brought me those roses uh, or took me out to dinner. And it made me so happy. And we often will just kind of think, oh, good, you know, they have joy about that. But from a spiritual perspective, and we often want to separate the two things because we usually talk about being happy as a reaction to something that someone has done or something that has happened to us or for us. So... You know, I'm happy because everything went well today, or I'm happy because the check arrived in the mail, or I'm really happy that I get a chance to go worship with my spiritual community today. You know, I'm happy because, right, there's that link. And and, and when we talk about joy, especially the spiritual quality of joy, it is present or our intention and goal is for joy to be present regardless of what the situation is, whatever the condition is. Joy is a state of being. Well, happy is a state of being too. Uh, But joy is a state of being that is less dependent upon what is happening externally and so it's really, really critical that our spiritual practices are such that they generate this abiding joy, this sense of joy and peace, that I am in joy. Isn't that funny? In our language, and Leslie said as we were opening up that she is in joy about talking about this subject of joy today. But that joy is really from the inside out. Joy is a quality that, at least for me, I strive to be constantly experiencing life from a state of joy. So, so yeah, so starting there, I, I guess I really just want to make it clear that in this conversation today, We might slip and use the term happy, but we'll be paying attention to that because happy and joy actually from the spiritual perspective are two different things. Okay, so I think I've made that point like in three different ways. Um, So um, I will move from, I will move from that. Uh, Ernest Holmes <clears throat> says that peace and joy accompany me. And and I just like that line, right? Peace and joy accompany me. And it for me it makes me think, okay, so I why do I think I'm separated from it? In the Bible it says, Be still and know that I am God. I am the Christ, the Son, and the living God within me. I am the principle of peace. So <clears throat> that that idea of joy, at least for me, 
is, is, is again, from the inside out. There's no need to argue. There's no need to complain. There's, well, okay, if, I know, I'm I'm not perfect. I'd like to say that my life is I'm never complaining and I'm always in joy, but that's what I'm striving for. I, I actually strive for that. I believe I always have a choice, and and when I become conscious of my choices, I'm going to choose that which affirms joy in my life, that represents joy, and again, that's not happiness necessarily, but joy. And what's going to lead me to feel joy? What's going to lead me to experience a long-lasting, deeply felt joy? Now, if you've listened to the show, you know that often we will go to the dictionary and see what it says. So, it, you know, a definition... from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary is joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And I, you know, in the way that I think about joy, I think of happiness as a feeling and joy as a state of being. So I'm not in complete agreement with the dictionary definition because you know, with the dictionary saying that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness and it using happiness even in the definition, you know, I really, um, I'm not in complete agreement in, with that. For me, happiness is the feeling. Feelings are temporary. Feelings are human experience. Feelings come and go. But joy as a state of being is my true essential nature. And it does not, in my opinion, depend on whether I'm happy or not. So having talked a lot about that, um, I love it. I just get to totally disagree with Merriam-Webster. <laughs> and um, and you can agree with Merriam-Webster. Um, but um, Merriam-Webster also says that in the definition for joy uh, that it's success in doing, finding, or getting something. And again, based on or connecting to what I said earlier, I don't know that I really agree with that either because, again, it's linking it to something external, like something has to happen for me to have joy. Something, Someone has to give me something or bring me something or do something I like for me to be in joy. So I totally agree with that for happiness, that happiness is a human thing, but God doesn't have happy or sad. Oh. God is perpetual joy. God is expressing the quality of joy because God knows that it's all fitting together for good, and there is joy in that. You know, it's funny you say that. I write my spiritual teacher emails most days, most days. And um, I wrote her a lengthy one just, you know, sharing all of the things that were not quite right in my life. And she sent me back an email that said, uh, quote, you will be just fine, with a little exclamation point after it. And I thought, did you not read my email? understand what's going on in my life. And I thought, you know, isn't that just like a spiritual teacher? To just kind of very, in what is that, seven words or something, you know, just pull it all back to, no, you will be just fine. You know, that you are just fine. You are just fine. Yeah, well, that's true. (laughs) And it is very um, godlike to put it all in perspective. And Happiness, that is, I agree with you. And, you know, I would rather disagree with uh, the dictionary than with you, Tracy Brown. I think that would be easier. But I do agree that uh, happiness is uh, uh, an external event. It can make me very, very happy. But that joy is sort of that river that should run underneath all things. Yeah, and that's, it's. I think we were sloppy in our language. <laughs> yes. 
because we treat them so often as if they are synonyms. And for me, at least, they really are not. And I think when I was younger, they were. But I know that as my spiritual maturity grew, that there was a distinction between the two. And and mainly because yeah I I do constantly try to go back to what is what are the qualities of God those qualities or principles that don't change and that are not if I'm thinking that God thinks and behaves like <laughs> I do like a human being then it's like oh okay so there is no good there is no evil there's only God. So happy implies you can be sad. Ah, yes. Happy and sad, you know, are the same energy. What Leslie says... Say you're a good person. Well, I'm just (laughs) just trying to think of something that's really relatively neutral that could be interpreted either way. But Leslie makes a statement. If I'm reacting to it, I'm going to react happy that she made that statement or sad that she made that statement, sad, hurt, anger, you know, all the same energy, happy, excited, same energy. But if I am living my life with joy, Leslie can say whatever she says, and I can agree with it or disagree with it, but it doesn't impact my emotional grounding. Well-being, so to speak. Yes. And so, you know, even if I notice, ooh, that hurts, I still am in joy for my life because it's not whether I like Leslie or not or whether Leslie likes me or not. It's I am in joy because I'm expressing, because God is expressing and experiencing life through me, as me, and in me. And God is always joy. And you said an interesting thing when you said you notice something I say. And um, I do some work with the women in Dallas County Jail, and it's really fascinating to help all of us and a reminder for myself that I can notice things and that that implies a detachment. That thing is not me, whatever's happening. And I really get so excited when the women in the jail have that moment of sort of shifting from the jail creating their circumstance to understanding that the jail is outside of, you know, that's an experience. And their perception, how they're thinking about it, is really what's creating their experience of it. And um, when they are able to enjoy or find the joy in the experience of being in jail, um, that to me is kind of like the height of, of them really getting, as you said, in touch with that underlying thing that is always there. And, um, you know, it's a very, that can be a pretty difficult external experience to get that. But many times when they when they get it in jail, I have a real sense that they'll be able to get it in the world, in the free world, as they like to say. Um, you know, and that's always such a funny thing, the free world. But um, it's, uh, it is, it is always, and we talk a lot about this, you know, choice. We're, we're always at choice in how we experience what's happening and um, whether or not I'm understanding that what's happening to me is really outside of me and doesn't have control of me, that's, that's a huge thing. And I think, you know, that's another thing I kind of got out of those seven words from Reverend Beatrice was this idea that I was caught up in the, in the thing. I was caught up in the experience. And I was being the experience. And um, and I, that is when I'm in trouble. When I become my experience, I am way lost. Because I'm lost to, you know, what truth is. And that's what most of us, most of the time, actually think of life. We're in the experience. Yeah. The experience is who we it's, are. Uh, yes, right. That we, right. you know, we we don't separate our true self 
from the experience we're having. And and I think that's really confusing for a lot of people when they start either going into the deeper, the deepest level of spiritual understanding, whatever their religious practice, whatever their religious faith is, that, that level beneath the surface and start delving into the metaphysical interpretation of the spiritual interpretation of it. I think that is really confusing for a lot of people, which is interesting for me now at this stage of my life where it's like that really is the first way I look at it. And now Mm. I have to kind of take myself analytically back to when I used to didn't understand Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not always easy because we do think that what's happening is our life, and how do you argue against that when you have tangible proof? You know, if I go to my, if I go online and I pull up my bank account, and it shows me that I have twelve dollars. Well, I was going to say fifty-five dollars oh, in yeah. the bank, but I know that in two days, seventy dollars worth of automatic charges are going to go through are scheduled to go through. The fact is that those automatic charges are going to put me, I'm going to have, I have insufficient funds to cover those charges. So it sounds to someone who, it, it can sound like I'm saying, oh, just ignore the fact that you don't, you need $25 in your bank or else you're going to get charged $35 insufficient <laughs> funds plus. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that. It's like that may be true. And let's say I don't find the money, and and the charges make my account overdrawn. My account is overdrawn. That is a fact, but it is not the truth of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so my responsibility to have enough money in the bank on the day those charges go through is my responsibility. And if I do that, I can feel, you know, sad that I didn't meet my responsibility. But joy of the opportunity to have life, to be experiencing life, is is not, or I would hope, I hope would not be affected by this experience of what looks like I don't have enough money. What is, in fact, in human experience, I don't have enough money. So what are, what are my options? I can turn to, um, okay, great, I remember this two days in advance. That's no coincidence. I I need to go to Leslie and borrow $25 so that I take care of my responsibility because I remembered, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, I saw it, I noticed, I thought about it, that meant there was action for me to take. Mm-hmm. Or I could say, well, I don't have any way of getting any money, and the universe will say yes. And and I'm choosing that the bank will, my bank account will be overdrawn, and then I'm going to go into full-blown drama. Freak out, right? So then the condition is controlling my experience instead of my experience just being an experience. So very much like what you said about the, with the women in the jail. Okay, the fact is you have done certain things that have resulted in you being in jail or certain things have happened that have resulted in you being in jail. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because we know that some people actually are We're just in the car. Accessories. (laughs) Put that in my purse. But you're in jail now, and that is a fact. And so what is your perception about that, and what are your choices about that? And it can be a a slippery slope to to, uh, try to bring someone's attention to that. Mm -hmm. And I, I notice in my language to the women in the jail in terms of how I try to ease them into that thinking can sometimes be very, you know, met with high resistance. Oh, yeah. Because it sounds really sort of, like you said, Pollyannish or discounting to their experience 
or like I'm not really getting it, like I was thinking, Reverend Beatrice, surely she doesn't really get it. She wouldn't be saying such I'm a thing. I'm in crisis thing. here, and yeah. you say it's all going to be fine. Yeah? Yeah. You try living in my body. <laughs> and so it is It is a language thing as well, and I always talk about with the women, of, and this is from my own experience that I have learned this, I'll, I'll question them, I'll say, well, what is the, what is the story you're telling yourself that's happening to you? And then, you know, based on how dramatic that story is, then I know how to kind of start breaking that down and start giving them a different story. And until I have a different story, I really don't have choice. And I think that's the thing I have learned a lot in being in the jail is that many people, and certainly at points in my life, I didn't have a different story. I didn't know there was a different story. I didn't know there was something other than the drama. I didn't know there was something other than the trauma. I didn't know that there was something other than the feeling in that moment. And, um, you know, um, at Center for Spiritual Living, we have um, Sangha groups, which is our code language for prayer circles. Um, And I can remember I started with one about eight years ago now, and the women would always say, well, I'll hold the truth for you until you remember it. And I always thought that was such a, a powerful thing to sort of um, have people in my life that would know the truth. And I think, you know, energy does flow all around, and I think that that's significant. And I think that's why it is significant for me to have a spiritual community and a community of friends that are um, able to see that truth. You know, I used used to have lots of friends years ago. We would all very much get excited about that story. I mean, we could all jump in that same story, and we would just be off. And there would be days and months that would pass, and we would stay in that story together. And none of us knew to try to get outside of that and say, hey, wait a second, let's think of something else. And so it is interesting also to kind of take a bit of an inventory about, you know, when I get in my dramatic story, you know, how are people around me responding to it? And um, and I want the people around me to respond, you know, with a compassion, but I certainly don't want them to jump in my story with me because that is not going to be helpful. And that's usually how we pick our friends. They really understand me. <laughs> they agree with everything that I say, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So when I create the story and I'm knee-deep in drama, yeah, they're knee-deep in the drama with me because that's how we show that we are in alignment. It's mm-hmm. like, no, and you're right. It's like, uh, that's not helping me right now. And so... It is good to be surrounded by and have a, a group of people. And if you don't have that, to begin to build that. And in our spiritual community, it's you know we say it all the time: go talk to a, a practitioner, or a minister, or in other spiritual practices, you know, go speak with an elder, or a deacon, or a, or a chaplain, or a prayer partner. It's like go to someone who is who can recognize where you are and not buy into where you are mm-hmm. and remind you that there is something bigger more without making you feel guilt or shame or blaming you or any of that. I, I was on a conversation a few days ago, and I was really aware that the, where this person was, I had to be super careful <laughs> about... You know, I'm listening and I'm looking at them and what's in my mind is, why are you believing that lie? Mm-hmm. That is not the truth of who you are. Oh, hell no, I'm not going there with you. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I know that you are whole perfect and complete. I know that this is leading to good, even though right now, you know, I'm like, the the it's I want to shout it, right? And, and I knew that's not... It would have hit you. <laughs> Well, you know, in this case, they wouldn't have hit me, but they would have felt not heard. They would have felt um, chastised. They would have felt like 
and you know, and and this is somebody who who really in in a different scenario is pretty grounded uh, spiritually, and so I really wouldn't be saying anything they don't know. But that's not what they're experiencing in that moment. And so it's like, okay, what question could I ask that would have them say, well, I know the truth is. Mm-hmm. And I did that dance, you know, for a little while. And then I felt strong enough to say, well, you know what, after they kind of skirted around it but couldn't get, then I thought they couldn't, they really couldn't get there mm-hmm. on their own, mm-hmm. which is why they were talking to me. And um, <laughs> Exactly, right. And so it's like, okay, so here's the deal. I know the truth of you is this, 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 and this. I hear what's happening in your life, and I completely understand why the human part of you believes A, B, C, and D. But I just want you to know that what that I know the truth is X, Y, and Z. And so it's like, I know that I'm not forcing you to know it right now. And, um, you know, and it, it's like, yeah, it's so important to have people who can do that for you and remind you until you can be, re- until you can return to this place of joy, to living in joy, to speaking in joy, for joy to be expressing naturally. You know, it's fascinating. You said, um, you know, that you got them to that place, and it's and it's interesting the language that we use, as you were saying earlier, about how important it is. And I, I have a language that I'll talk about um, with some of some people in terms of the human, and actually languaging that as sort of like, oh, the human is out of control. My human is way out of control. And again, it gives it that ever slight detachment, mm-hmm. and that the fact that you know nothing really um, that the human is experiencing, my human can be quite entertaining, but it's not it's not real unless it's in congruence with the truth. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all about Reverend Beatrice today, but she has sent me this meditation to do with a candle and to look at the flame, to do different things as I'm looking at the flame. And I never really, I love candles, and I look at candles all the time, but I never really kind of, I don't know, investigated the candle. And when I was really looking at all the different parts of the candle, did you know, Tracy, Brown, that, a, that in the flame of the candle, there's like this external flame, and then there's like a little flame inside the flame. And they they move together. They're exactly the same, but one is clearly within the other. Did you know that's why it looks like it's flickering? <laughs> See, now you're going to say you knew this. I thought I was telling you something you never knew. But <laughs> why? Because the top one flickers, the outer one flickers, and the inner one doesn't flicker? What if they're Ooh, not moving I'm at gonna, all? I'm going to have to... What if they're not moving like at all? That. No, that's when I noticed it, when it wasn't moving at all, was the this little inner flame that was surrounded by the outer flame. But then when I, I noticed when it flickered or moved, or are you saying flickering is moving, that they moved in concert, that they moved together. The little inside flame was never, she's laughing at me now, we need cameras. Um, The little inside flame never got outside of the bigger flame. And even when the air conditioning came on and, you know, a cat jumped in my lap or something, wind blew, they moved in concert. And I thought, well, isn't that fascinating? Because I thought of myself. As the little flame, thank God, that's <laughs> the big flame. This is a really big spiritual moment for me, <laughs> and and this idea that nothing can kind of, nothing can come in and shake that, even though by appearance, when you look at it, it just seems like one. That Isn't is that a really powerful thing? I think it's a powerful. I'm going to use it in my next <laughs> Sunday talk. <laughs> but it is. Curious, and it made me, and it did. It gave, it gave my little human a bit of reassurance that you know we're just a little flame here, and there's this big flame around us, and nothing can really penetrate it. I really, and then I started playing with it in terms of you know blowing on it and trying to get it, you know, to see if I could get the flame to be exposed. 
And there was nothing nothing that could happen to that experience of the candle that could cause the little flame to be exposed. It was powerfully spiritual to me, and I'm feeling very discounted. It is a, that is a, that is yeah, a powerful spiritual insight and metaphor. Mm-hmm. I'm proud. just a little concerned about But I didn't know it already? No. Oh, you do that. I I am just a little concerned that once you got the insight, then you had to test it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I put my Isn't hand it? over <laughs> it. Yes. Close my yes. eyes yes. and look. Yes. I yes. raised the pin through the flame and cut it in two. Yes, yes. that's so me, isn't it? That, that, I, have a good, I have an even better example of that. I uh, I do some, you know, um, people will now disconnect, but I work with pendulums sometimes, and you're know, getting a yes or no answer, and I haven't had a pendulum in a while. And so I have mala beads, and I've noticed that I can use my mala beads as a pendulum if I hold it. You take in. them off your wrist. Yeah, that that's helpful. Yes, I take them off my wrist, and then I'll I'll start asking questions, and the mala beads will actually all 108 of them will move in the in the up and down position. Traditionally means yes, and sideways means traditionally no. And so I was asking it some questions, and um, one of the questions I asked was something, and I can't recall what it is, was now, but it was, the answer was no, and the mala beads were literally, these are heavy mala beads, they're like made out of wood, little wood faux maybe, but um, they were literally going like at 180 degrees, I mean they were, and my hand wasn't making the move, right, to get the picture, I know certainly, but it's very exciting to me, so uh, my hand's not moving, and they're moving like at a at an arc that's making a, a half circle, the no is so... Big. Because it has to be dramatic and, for but, you. But at that moment, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, there's no way this is happening. <laughs> and I keep it's looking at my hand thinking, yeah, oh, I did it like for five minutes. Let me make sure that I'm not moving this in my hand. Let me, this this stuff really works. This can't be happening. This isn't real. This is ridiculous. And so, yes, it is a fascinating journey. Leslie's uh, uh, belief in that, no, it can't be real. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, yes it is. Yes, it is, and I have to test it to prove it. Yes, yes, and I need to. I need to bring someone here to see it so they can tell me that it's really real, right? That's a. You tell me it's really real, and then I'll believe it. But it is a, and, the, and it is a. Uh, it is a journey, Tracy Brown. It is a journey. It's a hilarious journey <laughs> with the pendulum going side to side. I'll have to try that. I've never used any of my mala beads as a pendulum partially because I have a pendulum, <laughs> so I've never thought about it. Uh, you can find your pendulum. Brag, brag, brag. But I uh, actually tried that with my mala beads a couple times and see how the energy flows. You know, there's a lot of uh, joy for me in in watching myself, and I think that's what keeps me young, is that I have, I do, I find, I do find myself as, Funny as you find me, and it is. Um, I think there's a there's some magic in that, and, and again, not taking it all quite so seriously. Is that joy or what is it? That's mindless entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm good for that too. I'm really good for that. But I think it's uh, it's staying in the joy, staying. And you know, you said enjoy i n, and then that word enjoy e n. Um, that that seems like I'll a lot of times end emails with enjoy, E-N, your day. And, uh, you know, I always feel the need to capitalize it, uh, which I think makes it more exciting. But it does sort of, oftentimes I'll use that when I think someone's having a particularly bad day or difficult day, and my hope is that what happens is that it does a little click in their mind. Because I think initially I would think, who the hell would think I could enjoy this day? But then hopefully the idea would be to click, oh, right, I can enjoy this day. I still have a choice. I still am able to remember the truth of who I am. And it's little kind of things like that that I think we can drop in each other's day. And I really appreciate when people drop those things in my day and, um, you know, again, bringing me back to the truth. Or awakening, because oh, the truth. I go away and the truth stays the truth, right? I come and go. 
I walk yeah, around in circles. It is the human experience. Garner's home says, if we wish to come to the spirit for the healing of our wounds, let us come in peace and with spontaneous joy. For the spirit is joy. And, and he goes on to talk about thanksgiving and being thankful and confidence and all of that. But if we wish to come to the spirit for the healing of our wounds, let us come in peace and with spontaneous joy, for the spirit is joy. Spontaneous joy? What's spontaneous joy? That sounds exciting. Spontaneous joy. Yeah, I, that, that caught my imagination as I read it too, because especially in this context, it matches what we've been saying. If we wish to come to the spirit for the healing of our wounds, so we're coming to spirit with the human perspective that we have wounds that Something need to be wrong, healed. Yes. Something is wrong, but we bring with it, mm-hmm. then we must come with peace and we must come with spontaneous joy. So spontaneous being, again, I, for me what that does is remind me that that's how, why joy is different than happiness. Mm-hmm. Whatever caused the wounds caused me to be unhappy. But if I come to that, if I wash the unhappiness, I wash it with joy, I wash it with peace, as this is the truth of who I am. I can always choose joy. You know, my um, reclaimjoy.com website, the tagline is, no matter what situation you're in, you can find joy within. You can always find joy within. And ah, it's that that's tricky. That same thing. No matter what situation you're in, you know, if I go in, spontaneously yeah. bring forward the joy of life, the joy of this opportunity to experience whatever it is. Um, and it's a choice. It is a choice to go within, to to to, to remember, to remember, to reawaken to that. Um, I I am fascinated. One of the things that I do with the women when they first get to the we have a pod. They call it a pod where the women live in a program pod. And when they first get there, the first week, the first class, I'm trying to. Sh- Start their thinking in terms of understanding this concept of beliefs create thoughts, thoughts create our experience. And so, because it's a foreign language to a lot of them, mm-hmm. it, the question I always ask is to think about what were you thinking about three months, two months, a month before you came to jail? Mm-hmm. And when you are honest about those thoughts, is it any surprise that you're in jail? And it's really interesting to watch them have those dominoes fall. Because that is a, and you know, I'm always encouraged, and I find that it takes great courage on their part to be able to really look at that. Because who wants to look at that? Who wants to think, oh my goodness, having these thoughts, wow, yeah, I can see that it was just, a, you know, a straight line to being incarcerated. And, um, <clears throat> And so, you know, you quickly kind of throw in, and, you know, okay, we can change the thoughts, we can have a different experience, because you don't want to stay in that kind of, oh, my God, what have I done, kind of too long. And certainly um, helping them understand that there are reasons that they had those thoughts. Because another big thing that I think I'm noticing, and I'm really um, finding some amazing stories, is that the, the second class that we do talks about false beliefs that we got as children. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's not a person sitting in jail that wasn't raised in some circumstance where there was addiction or there was incarceration in their family or there was abuse or there was neglect or there was something. You don't have a storybook unconditionally loving something and then sort of transition into the life that would lead up in jail. So there's... There's a you know a long list of false beliefs. I'm not lovable. I'm not cared for. I don't matter. My needs don't matter. I don't get to be heard. I don't get to be taken care of. And so all of these false beliefs that happened when they were 
little itty-bitty created a life of action that reinforced those false beliefs. Right. So their actions then became, you know, addiction, dropping out of school, getting in abusive relationships, having all of their adult actions then reinforce these false beliefs and it becomes this cycle. And what I have noticed in myself and especially these women is that if I don't heal those false beliefs, if I don't go back and do that work, then I'm sort of living in this perpetual recreation of acting in a way that's affirming these negative beliefs and I'm just trying to change my actions and I'm sort of staying out of where real change can happen because real change is only going to happen, real shift is only going to occur when I um, go back and re-look at, feel, experience, grieve, heal those false beliefs. And it's a fascinating sort of orchestra for me in terms of matching psychology to spirituality and um, understanding that the psychology of healing trauma through a spiritual window, through a spiritual looking glass, happens so much more quickly. But unless I'm Eckhart Tolle, you know, many times that spiritual awareness can sometimes still just be in the here and now. And I created this new little term that I use that I like a lot, that my here and now stays the same until I go back to then and there. And only when I change my then and there does my here and now change. I like it. I think I should write it down and perhaps trademark it. But it it is an interesting concept, and I think we spend a lot of time in the here and now. And um, certainly, uh, if we have deep, deep trauma, that then and there is going to keep kind of pulling the carpet out from underneath us. Yeah, and I I think that the the misstep. Ah, better than mistake. Yes, very good that happens with this, often happens with the spiritually based and spiritually grounded, quote unquote, healing, is that people learn some buzzwords and they start using them and they start, they do maybe even begin to believe the, the, the surface meaning of the buzzwords, but they don't believe it for themselves. So they don't really believe it, mm-hmm. but, right? They believe the concept, but they don't really know it. And so I don't, I think, I, I'm not as invested in you must go back to the then and there. Thank you. Oh, then and there. Um, and truly heal it there. I think, I think you can heal going forward, but you have to actually live it. You have to have, have to believe it, and you don't have to necessarily understand the why of the then and there as much as you have to truly be committed to the what. So it's replacing belief more so than understanding it. And But as I say that, I actually know there are a lot of people who can't just replace a false belief once they recognize it. And that, yeah, for the more mental, Mm -hmm. the more you live your life in your head, Mm -hmm. the more likely it's going to be helpful for you to go back and understand the why. Because you live in your head and you're always asking that question, why, and I have to understand it. When I hear people say, well, I just don't understand it, and I have to understand it before I can do it. I have to understand it before I can, you know, it's like, oh, okay, so you're making it clear to me that you, you know, those are folks that live from an analytical perspective. Other people will say, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And so... They, they don't so much care about why it doesn't feel right. They want to feel a certain way. And so if you can replace the old belief with a new belief that feels good to them from their perspective, they'll start living that. But someone who lives in the analytical 
they can't convince themselves of the, often they can't convince themselves of the going forward until they've closed the door on the back. So I, I think it's, I actually think it's a both and because we do teach from a spiritual perspective that you don't need to know the, the past. You set your future and you change your thinking, you change your belief, you change your actions, and you'll get a new outcome. And I believe that 100%. And I also have seen it time and time again that for some people, which is why we also say, you know, talk therapy is good and, and therapeutic is good and classes are good. <laughs> right. Because for people who have that need, they're not going to move into the new belief. They'll know it. They'll be aware of it. But they won't believe it until their mental questions are, are answered. And I had a therapist, I remember years ago when I was learning to be a therapist, that talked about, you know, there is, um, there there are people that don't, that that their lives are being so run unconsciously by the then and there. And that, you know, that the here and now constantly kind of being, again, I used to, the idea that the rug is pulled out from, you know, things just keep happening. Things keep, self-destructive behaviors, patterns keep um, repeating themselves. And that is an indication of the then and there is still kind of controlling the here and now. If everything right. is good in the here and now, and I'm able to mm-hmm. manifest and bring in these concepts and make these changes and have these amazing, um, you know, spiritual experiences, and I'm not constantly self-destructing, then, yeah, you're absolutely right. Certainly don't want to go that in there. Leave that alone. But um, most trauma survivors, and certainly I guess I I am one and was one, that, you know, I would constantly, you know, and still do to some extent, sort of self-destruct, self-sabotage, self, um, you know, create my own, uh, recreate my own belief system of lack and to have some healing other than in there freed me of that. And it's also interesting to watch because most of these women, of course, you know, everyone in their lives, by the time they get to us, usually have kind of had enough, so to speak. You know, they're, they've heard them say they're going to change, and so everybody is so sort of unwilling to listen to them say, I'm going to change, you know, I'm going to be different this time, that that no one in their current life is looking at, well, what happened here? How did this train get so far off the track? Right. Everyone's just looking at how far off the track the train is and saying, oh, this is a mess. This is terrible. This is, I can't believe you're doing this. And, you know, that just kind of um, magnifies the shame and the guilt and the blame that these women are feeling. And until we understand, oh, there's a reason that train went way over there and help them give themselves permission to say, okay, now, wow, okay, I understand how I got here. Now I have choice, right? But um, that whole blaming and and shaming for what's happening now is um, really kind of recreating that original trauma and and re-victimizing the victim, so to speak, instead of allowing them to, oh, you love that word, um, until uh, instead of allowing them to say, oh, there was a, there was a reason. There was a reason this train went off the track, and there was no one there when it went, you know, two feet off the track to say, okay, honey, let's look back, let's go over here. You know, there was no mom or dad saying, come here, come here, little guy, let's be, let me take care of you. And then this, you know, that train got so far off that track <clears throat> that suddenly it's like everybody's only noticing the train wreck. Nobody's saying, how'd that happen? Yes. What you smiling about, Tracy Brown? I'm smiling about, and then there's the candle with the little. Oh my God! That is such a profound thing. I think somebody is really no matter how far (laughs) off the track the little train, the little flame gets. There's a big flame of God (laughs) surrounding it and protecting it, and always there for it. And ready in every moment to guide it right back to center. But isn't 
not the classic here and now, because I mean both and not here and now, but but the classic both and yes, that, you know, there is no separation. But boy, it does sure does feel like it. And the idea that if the train is two feet off the track or the flame is leaning way <laughs> over because the air conditioner just kicked on. Some people would say, well, that's proof that there is no God, because why, why didn't God keep it at the center? Why didn't God keep that train on the track? Why didn't God just stop all this bad stuff from happening? It's like, no, that's not the nature of God. And the nature of God is, little human, you have free will. I'm always there with you. And I'm always, you're always in the center of my attention, and I'm always aware of your best and highest good. But you're having this life experience that is leaning you way <laughs> over here. You're going to use that flame later. I know you're going to act like it was your idea. You're going to later, years well, no, from now, the I'm reason I was on look- TV and you're going to talk about the little flame inside the big flame. The reason that, that I was looking at you a little strange when you started is because At first I was thinking it was from inward journey, but then I remembered that, it, that and I know you took the inward journey class. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, didn't you do that in inward journey? But then I recalled as you were talking that actually that candle gazing meditation is in the spiritual practices class. It's one of the meditations ah. in the spiritual practices class. So I'm thinking... I'm sure Leslie took spiritual practices and she didn't do she's done that before, but yes, she didn't do her. Imagine that. Right. So, Are you saying so, that Reverend Beatrice didn't make this up? That she wasn't the creator of this? Oh, oh, step back. Step off. I have nothing to all things against Reverend Beatrice. Well, saying <laughs> that she's not the creator of it is not saying anything against her. <laughs> I think she's an amazing and spiritual. A guide and leader, uh, and absolutely has been a gift for you. But I mean, yeah, candle gazing meditation. <laughs> it's an ancient kind of thing. It's not new. Good to um, know. But it's what I believe is you have the practice you have at the right time right. for where you are. Yeah. And so you probably did a candle gazing meditation in class when you took spiritual practices. But it didn't have the impact then because you're in a different place now. True that. That's classic. That's classic truth. And the place that we both commit to being this week is to be in joy. I am joy. So that wraps today's episode of Say Yes to Spirit. Um, Please check out the archives, and we have over 200 shows that you can listen to and um until we meet again, just remember to say yes, yes to the spirit. Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.